Again, this is Buck Benny speaking. Uh, I have my friend Jim and Bob with me. Uh, we are here to talk about the last episode of Picard. Um, I love this episode. I think it covers a whole bunch of ground. I think maybe they should have made it be two episodes long. I know it's kind of a two-parter anyway, but maybe it should have been three episodes or whatever. I felt like they had a whole bunch of ground to cover in this last episode, though they did a pretty nice job of it. Um, my favorite part was... The part with data again and saying goodbye to data, I thought that was brilliantly done and uh, it was great. So uh, let's get Bob's initial impressions since he watched it for the first time and Jim and I watched it for the second or third time or whatever. Um, Bob, what were your thoughts on this final episode? Well, of course I enjoyed it. Um, it did leave a few plot holes for me. I, I still didn't understand. So uh, Sutra like kills her sister and frees the Romulan. Was she planning to take down the array? Cause that's what he ends up doing. Was that her plan? So she really didn't want to contact the other aliens. I was confused by that. Um, so I didn't get that quite get that. No, I, 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 I think later on they, they kind of addressed it where they said that she felt that she needed something to push all of her, her, her fellow synthetics to to want to bring these other people in because now they saw this Romulan had killed their sister or whatever and so that was not to not to let it come back and destroy it but just so that there was something really bad happened to one of their sisters so now they're like yeah let's let's get them okay that makes my impression as well they they, Um, they actually talked about that later but yeah I must have missed it um I guess the other thing was yeah, it seemed like it could have been two episodes. It went through kind of fast. The whole thing with Picard taking the android body, not sure that washed that good with me. I kind of saw it coming. Um, but that was okay. Uh, and Jim will probably know this answer too, because I don't Why did they send Dodge and Soji out in the first place? I have no idea. That's, um, that was my, my question as well. It was like, so, but otherwise, yeah, no, what I like their mission. <laughs> yeah. I, obviously there was some mission because they wiped their memory. So they thought they were human, uh, but they never did quite explain what, why they were out there. Maybe they were spies, secret spies on the humans and the Klingons. I don't know. Anyway. Um, but other than that, I enjoyed it and I'm looking forward to season two. Yeah. And, and, and speaking of data, so I never understood if they can build all of those Android bodies yeah. and have, have basically a backup of data right before he dies, why couldn't they just build data a new body and then download them into the new body? Uh, yeah. Deafening silence after that because no <laughs> one knows the answer. Bueller? Uh, Bueller? Yeah. No, I, I kind of would say... If, if I take what they had in the episode as, as any kind of link to that, it sounds like they had a little piece of data sort of thing and that maybe it 
it kind of grew until it was consciously data again and maybe they didn't even realize they at that point had a complete copy of data or something they just had a piece of him and uh so then he was kind of living in that com inside the computer world or whatever it was and uh um but uh, honestly it doesn't do me much good to try and think about all the little nitpicky holes and things in that I'm just glad that it gave us a chance to say goodbye to the character in a better way. If you go back and watch Nemesis, the movie in which he dies, um, I think it's Nemesis. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Nemesis. Anyway, um, it's not a very um, satisfying end to data. And so that's this whole series is essentially trying to get to the point of where we can have that scene with Picard and data and, and, um, I thought it was great having Picard there while Data dies and the Data chooses. Um, it was interesting to hear kind of Data and Picard both kind of agreeing that having uh, a finite lifetime is better than this infinite lifetime. And uh, uh, for both of them, they kind of either choose that or have it chosen for them. I thought it was funny when they're telling Picard that his body will live that normal amount of time. And he's like, Oh, another 20 years would have been nice or something, you know, not infinite, but, but give me a little more time sort of thing. Um, did, did you hear um, when they had the movie where data died, they, um, they, they had to change the, the script because uh, Brent Spiner wanted to have, have a change of one of the, the exchanges of dialogue around that scene no yeah yeah because after he died then picard turned to Riker and said tell me you got the data backed up <laughs> <laughs> very, very good hey, thank you jim <laughs> it's true it's true <laughs> we lost all the data oh no yeah no. lost data <laughs> glad hopefully it's backed up yeah so um jim well mm -hmm. what did you think of the episode overall and things we don't have your impressions of the episode um you know i mean it has that that same standard uh uh next generation type thing you know it's like it's like oh you know in the end it's like oh but, you know if, if we all just get along and you know everything will be good and everything else so it has that kind of that that feeling to it, you know, where Picard is, is able to convince her that, you know, not, not to, to bring the, uh, the AI aliens into the scene to take, take them out, you know, so. And, and it's got the standard Federation shows up to save the day. Yeah. With, with some really cheap, uh, uh, video or graphics or whatever you know it's like all the ships are exactly the same kind of ship you know it's just like let's just you know go in and cut and paste and we'll just like paste in you know 500 ships all exactly the same well it what's funny is it looked like in the mirror image thing that that they did first right of, of picard's ship or, or or whatever it was it looked like they had different ships then like she could visualize different ships 
And so it looked like they were coming in. It didn't look like they were all Picard's ship. I, I think they did. Who were they? Yeah, I watched yeah, it last I thought- night again. It seemed like they were all the same ship that they had. Okay. I thought so too. but Because I, I was expecting them to have a whole bunch of different ships, but looking at it, no, no, I'm, but I'm not saying when I'm not saying when the Federation actually showed up. I'm saying this. No, no, yeah, I know when when they were in the small little ship and they she yeah. used that device to to basically make replicas of it. Um, right. Yeah, they were they were all the same. They're all the like, same. I thought. I and, thought when, they were, and then when the Federation came, they were all the same again. A different ship, of course, but they were all the same. Yeah, ship. they all looked the same to me. Oh, okay. It wasn't. It wasn't like uh, you know a lot of other. Star Trek scenes where they have you know just tons of different ships and stuff all different times. And and Riker even references it that that he has the most powerful ship that they've ever made or something. Yeah. And and I have a whole fleet of them with me, sort of he says. So I (laughs) and and by doing this, it was cheaper on our budget end. So it's a win-win for for the Federation here and for the folks at Paramount. <laughs> well, then the the Admiral slash uh, General Lady Security Lady from Starfleet who's actually a Romulan spy. She uh, she kept yeah. Sorry. Well, you just you just think that you know she wouldn't have been clued in onto what what exactly the Federation had to be countering it on the Romulan side but she also like kept hesitating yeah I mean she would sit there oh uh you have a countdown before she's gonna wipe them out it's just like she's kind of sandbagged yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah instead yeah. of just saying fire it's like yeah. okay everybody get ready to fire when I tell you to fire <laughs> <laughs> so that Picard can we need three more seconds so they can get here <laughs> But yeah, so you know, it it it, it, it definitely was was a, an interesting one. They definitely uh, in the last two episodes they they kind of crammed a lot in. Yep. Uh, in the in the last two episodes, uh, makes me kind of wonder what what direction they're going to go with the, the series, the next uh, season of it. I I saw that evidently it's been they got the second season and then it's been kind of unofficially greenlit for a third season. Right. There's something about a time displacement because there's that scene with Seven without her implant. So they're going to do some sort of time warping, flipping thing. Looks like. Maybe they're going to go go join uh, Discovery. Right. <laughs> well, and it seems like they have filmed essentially everything. I mean, I Picard might be in the midst of filming. Certainly, um, Strange New Worlds just filmed its last episode this last week. So, because um, Anson Mount, who plays Pike, said they were filming the last episode so of the first season. So it'll it'll be interesting. I, I there's no reason to not assume that we were that we're going to get. Uh, kind of Star Trek shows back to back to back almost all year long from uh, Lower Decks on. And we know Lower Decks. I, I just didn't know when it was going to start, this whole avalanche of shows. But it, since now we know it's going to start August, I think, 11th or 12th is when Lower Decks is going to appear. Uh, after that, they should be able to do show after show after show because they got 
I was surprised that they got them all filmed so quickly. Uh, well, I think Picard isn't Picard the second season supposed to be in twenty twenty one still. I don't know. I I wouldn't think so. I would think it would be one of the later ones they would release, just because I I think it was one of the last ones filmed. Um, but it could be, and if I suppose, I mean, well, theoretically, they release this series, Lower Decks. Then I think the next one would make sense would be probably Discovery because I think that's been filmed the longest. So then if you air Discovery, you'd probably still have time to fit in Picard before the end of the uh, this year. And then in 2022, maybe have next the uh, Strange New Worlds appear. But I don't know. I don't know. Are they going to do them back to back to back? Are they going to leave three or four or five weeks in between them? so that they do cover the whole course of the year. I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see what they're going to do. So we'll uh, the web, the worldwide web says late 2021 or 2022. I don't know what that means. It seems like discovery will be in there at the same time frame. So who knows? Yeah. When is discovery supposed to come out? Let's see. Keep looking things up. <laughs> There's nothing more interesting to our listeners than when we're looking things up. Okay. We'll Simon. <laughs> Luckily, no. I do have an editor that I can get things out, though it's all good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot of stuff between uh, Discovery and between uh, Picard and, and Lower Decks and Strange New Worlds. I think that's, that's all they have going on, right? Correct. Yeah. So and supposedly they're going to have section 31 eventually, but I would think they might just go with these. What is it? Five. I think they might just go with these five to begin with and see how those go. And then if one of them starts to flag, maybe replace it with section 31 or it wouldn't surprise me if they do a section 31. I mean, who knows? I, I think they might get, be getting a little saturated. If they, if That's all. Yeah. It's already a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of TV. It is. But I, I like how they're all different. I like how uh, you've got an animated one. You've got one that ties into the old series with Picard. And then you have Discovery, which was your flagship new one that now is in the future future. Uh, and then you've got uh, next, uh, I mean, uh, Strange New Worlds that ties into the old original series. So at least if you're going to create this many, I think you're way better off to have them on all different time frames than uh, if they would have done, I guess it's similar to if, if they would have had next generation and deep space nine and enterprise and Voyager all at the same time versus spread it over all those number of years that they presented them. I don't think it would have worked very well. Um, and I still think if you did the same concept of having them all take place in the same time frame with uh, I just don't I, I think it'd be too much but I think the way they're doing it is a good it, it still might like you say be too much maybe but we'll see I mean I think it's, it pushes about as far as you should probably and so I would say if it was me I'd hold off on section 31 <laughs> or who knows if all these become huge hits and they're just making tons of money off of them or whatever I don't even know how they measure that, but uh, with streaming, but 
I guess they, you see the number they, of they stack up the Benjamins and yeah, count them. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure they 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 figure it out. You know, it's like they know how many views it's getting and and that type of thing. So right. Although well, I guess think they might be control. ahead uh, as as far as Paramount goes to go. Okay, well. Do we get more ground out of yet another Star Trek series, or do we get more ground out of coming up with another series, um, whatever it is, um, a reboot of something else that we own, or some new series? I don't know how many more. I don't know how many more people watch the Star Trek shows than watch Twilight Zone, which they air over there, and The Good Fight, which they air over there, and there's a couple more. Um, I suppose it just all depends on that. If more people are watching Star Trek than anything else, then I guess you create more Star Trek. If uh, it's pretty even, I'd probably start saying, "Well, let's look at some other series to to do." I think I'm, I'm sure they've got Strange New Worlds. That's all I cared about at this point. I mean, it's the series I'm looking forward to the most. Anyway, Bob. I mean, if you if you can get statistics on YouTube, like number of watchers, how long they watched, how I mean, they show you relative. For a video the same length, how you place relative to everybody else with the video the same length and same time. I'm sure they've got stats of the yin yang. Yeah. I guess yeah. the question is, is of bringing in subscribers because that's ultimately what pays the bills, right? It's not right. really watches, it's subscribers. Yeah. So they got to somehow tie that back to. Yeah. Do people subscribe to it? Subscribe to Paramount Plus so that they can watch that and then they maybe watch some other shows or, or are they subscribing it to it for those other shows and then they kind of watch this <clears throat> but i'm sure with the stats you know and all the data they can you know see it if they're watching the star trek ones right after they come out you know they're probably more likely to watch those you know the other ones aren't as quick and well the other thing too that, that comes up like you're saying it, once you have one star trek series or two you assume you're attracting probably about as many Star Trek fans. There's, I mean, there's only a certain pool of Star Trek fans out there to sign up for your, like I signed up to watch Discovery, right? And so there's probably a bunch of Star Trek fans like me that signed up to watch Discovery. And um, yeah, so do by you having need, more you Star more. Trek, are you, are you attracting more? You've already, maybe you've already got that audience. And so you're not attracting more people to come across for the future Star Trek shows. Now, I can see an argument made that if 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 you have one series like Star Trek Discovery, let's pretend, then you might have people sign up to binge it and then get back off and never sign up or in the long term, or maybe they sign up for a month or two to watch it and then they stop, right? Whereas yeah. if you have another Star Trek show coming up and another Star Trek show coming up, it's retention goes, the retention you have of people go tremendously higher. Yeah, that would probably be true. Yeah. For the fact that um, had they only had Discovery, I think I would probably be getting it when they have a new season and dropping it after a month, after I watch the new season and, and doing that over and over again. The fact that they have these multiple shows, I haven't dropped it ever. I've just kept it the whole time. And so yeah. that's something. So, yeah. And, and that's probably, you know, why they're spreading it out over the, the, the different series over the whole year kind of thing, too. You know, they want to keep right. you around. They... Oh, you muted. Yeah, Jim, we lost your audio there. You're muted. Yes, you're still oh. losing your audio. Play with your audio settings. Do something. I think he's frozen. 
You know, he's okay. Try it now. Now say something, Jim. Can you hear me now? I can hear yeah. you. Huh, so you important. were saying that when you left off, uh, you had said that uh, you thought that, um, yes, that made sense. I was just agreeing how smart you were. Go throughout the year made sense. So Yeah, I was just agreeing with the, how, how intelligent and insightful your, your opinion on that was. Because <laughs> cause I don't get a, a chance to say that very often. Right. And that's why I <laughs> muted you. <laughs> not, you know, not nearly enough. Uh, no no yeah i i agree yeah because you know they if they had gaps people maybe would drop it off so if they have you know enough to you know not go more than a month or so without new episodes uh then the people that are turning in for the the star trek stuff you know i i think probably the the lower deck stuff is probably doesn't help them a lot in that you know probably there's a lot of star trek fans that really you know, don't care for the animated one. They, you know, they they want the, the live action ones. So if that's the case, though, somebody else watching, if they're going to do another season, yeah, because they, they they're doing a second season, means they must have decent statistics or something. Well, it's a ton cheaper to do than the rest. You know, so even if it brings in a lot fewer people, it's it's much much cheaper to well, produce. or if it brings in different people, it's a, a tremendous. Yeah, yeah. my niece. When she heard Lower Decks is going to have a second season, she was excited about it. She was like, oh, I can't wait to watch the next season of Lower Decks. And she doesn't watch, I don't think, any of the other ones. But she definitely, she's uh, 14 now, I guess. And so that appeals to her more than the other Star Trek. And and it might be like an entry point to get into the other Star Trek. Oh, the other series we completely forgot about or haven't mentioned is Prodigy, which... Uh, uh, Prodigy is going to be the one with Janeway in it uh, with 3D sort of animation, more like uh, Monsters, Inc. or whatever. And uh, that's uh, in the can as well and ready to go, I think. So another so six series. So it's actually the Janeway character? It, what it is is um, they apparently it isn't, I'm not giving anything away, is these aliens all different races of aliens all of them kind of semi-cute <laughs> um take over uh find a starship or steal a starship i think they find a starship is what they do and they get in the starship and they're trying to take make it work for them and uh as they do they flip on the uh or the uh, hollow, whatever it is, the well, the equivalent of Rios, where he's got all these different uh, mm-hmm. emergency things that he. She is the emergency hollow that they have is Janeway, so she's not an admiral or captain or anything else. She's she's the hollow, but it's based on, of course, her character on Star Trek. It's based on Janeway, and so she comes up and is referred to as Janeway. Um, they did a really nice job with with the uh, animation for her. It's very, uh, very, uh, what, um, friendly to her or whatever. I mean, she's very skinny and she's very young looking in the whole thing. And, and uh, um, I'm well, sure that she likes that. An earlier rendition of her. Yeah, yeah. So 
but it would be nice. To, it'll be nice to hear her voice and for her to, and she's going to be engaging them and be kind of part of their crew or whatever and helping them navigate things and so forth. So, so, so is it, is it, is Kate Mulgrew uh, actually voicing the yes. character? Oh, it's Nickelodeon. Yep. It was originally done for Nickelodeon, and so Nickelodeon's going to run it, but they're also going to run it on Paramount. Because, I mean, she's got to be getting up there in age now, I would think, right? She's got to be probably in her 70s, I guess. Uh, yeah, I would think pushing that, yeah. I mean, she still looks pretty good when I've seen her in things chatting. I mean, she looks older. She looks like she's 60-something, but she's probably... Oh, uh, I see. You're just objectifying her. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Uh, anyway. Yeah, she's getting old, but she still looks good. Yeah. <laughs> well, but I would say that about George Clooney or just about anybody, right? That's because uh, there are definitely some all about there are definitely like George Clooney. You know, some, some of us don't. Um, well, we were never, you know, model material when we were younger, but when we get older, we're, we're definitely not model material, but there are definitely some people that, you know, you know, they're in their seventies and they're still, you know, right. But top looking yeah. people in their seventies. Well, the one I'm most impressed with always and, and continues to be that way is Ringo Starr, who uh, just celebrated his 81st birthday. And you look at him and you're like, okay, you look the same as you did when you were like 30. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't... He looked, he looked like a kid then. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing because he... I think he actually looks better. I mean, he looked... Wor the worst he ever looked was probably in the 60s with the... Uh, just the kind of the goofy look that he had and things. And then he kind of got a cool look in the 70s and kind of has kept that kind of cool look for then on. But uh, well, Kind of like Keith Richards. Yeah. <laughs> no. Pretty much looked the same for the last 50 years. Yeah. That's because of the transfusions. <laughs> yeah. I, I would tend to think Keith would look back though and say he looked pretty good in the early 70s. It looked really rocking. And then... Uh, Kind of went downhill from there. <laughs> I, I think for him, it was, he looked old earlier on. Yes, he did. You know, so he looked really old. And, and then, so he's kind of stayed I mean, that way. So he hasn't really changed. Because he had this bad look in the 60s. And then in like 70, I'd say 71, maybe 72 until like 74, he looked really good. And then at 75 on, he looked old and bad. <laughs> So it's like his window of looking good was very, very short. Like, Those are commonly I mean, called the, the rehab years. Yes. They, I mean, he did. I, I read somewhere he did so many drugs, they would transfusion, give him a transfusion so he could get him physically up to do a tour. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Charlie Watts may have been the same because he always looked old too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> The Stones are not the best band to be looking at in terms of aging well. <laughs> now, surviving, yes, they're a band to look at. It's pretty amazing, but uh, actually, aging well, not so good, not so much. But you know, I, I I heard a I heard a rumor. I saw a rumor on the internet that, that uh, Paramount Plus was going to cancel all of the the Star Trek yep episodes that was running out there, and I guess. Uh, Anson Mount or whatever he kind of poked fun at that rumor. Yes, I saw that one too. I saw that tweet. It was good. <laughs> yeah. um, 
It's like, yeah, it's I, I don't think they're going to do that. Every single year they've come out with that same rumor that they fire the main guy that's in charge and they're going to cancel all of Star Trek shows. And each year it's taken a little less credible. Whereas, you know, that when, it, when they first were doing it, they thought, oh man, this sounds like it's really going to happen and things. It didn't help the fact that they said CBS All Access was going under because it was going away when in reality it was just morphing into Paramount Plus, which was actually a bigger platform. Um, yeah. So yeah, they, they actually had some underlying foundation in other years. Now it's like, okay, you're just silly because obviously these series are going well or they wouldn't keep adding more and more to them. Yeah, and they just finished filming them all. And yeah, you know, it's like, oh, okay, now... Before we even see how these ones do in the next season when we release them, yeah, we're gonna cancel it. We're gonna cancel, yeah. <laughs> it's like, nah, we don't want to see how they do. We're just <laughs> no, yeah. And with six six series in the can, I mean, that's hard to believe. You have that many shows all ready to go, but they do. So, we I, I, I guess the you know the rumors on the internet, the the internet and social media has has made you know people saying things and doing things amplifies it you know so it's like oh this rumor comes out there you know before it used to be your 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 next door neighbor joe that made some comment how he thinks uh you know all these shows are going to be canceled but but you know before he just said it to you over the fence but you know now he says it out on the internet and so now this rumor on the internet is that that's right. going to happen. And well, and somebody internet. grabs onto Joe saying that such and such is going to be canceled because he doesn't like it or whatever. Yeah. And they say, oh, and they've caught, they've, one of the main actors said something in an interview somewhere where they were wondering the direction of the show. So that obviously ties into the fact it's going to be canceled. And then they say, oh, and one of the, then somebody else chimes in and says, one of the producers said X, Y, or Z. And so then it starts to seem like it has more uh, weight to it. When in reality, well, just, just the fact that Anson Mount came out, I am saying that right. Anson Mount. Yes, you are. Yeah. So, you know, just, just the fact that he came out saying that it wasn't going to be canceled, you know, that kind of almost confirms it because yeah. what would you expect somebody to say if they were canceling it, right? You, you would expect them to say that they're not canceling it. Well, what was brilliant and what makes Anson Mount so fun to follow in his feed, he's actually one of the more interesting people to, to follow on tweets and things because he's very uh, irreverent about things and, and so forth. Um, a little like Ryan Reynolds, I suppose, just in some of his comments and things. Because in this case, he I, at least what I saw, he didn't deny it or anything. All he did was posted a picture of um, Chekhov laughing or something or, or smirking at, at what they were saying. So it just was a way of saying, no, you're, you're full of crap, but without actually saying it. But I thought, hey man, they're going to they're do it because they did in Finding Bigfoot. They filmed the whole season and then they did the finale and ended it. That's it. They didn't show the rest of them. So I think it's going to happen. Okay. We shall see. <laughs> it, it will make us have less to talk about. So, <laughs> Will Star Trek follow in the footsteps of finding The very thing is, now see, that's a great idea. Star Trek could actually grab those Bigfoot episodes that weren't aired 
and put those up. And uh, I think that would be the seventh series of Star Trek, and it's in the can already, so it's <laughs> yeah, a little CGI to make them appear to be on a you know the uh, the bridge of a of a starship or something, yeah. <laughs> or just put just put a uh, one of the Star Trek symbols on his shirt so that I mean he doesn't <laughs> you know. I, I, does Bigfoot wear a shirt? Stuck to his, stuck to his <laughs> chest or something. <laughs> no, this this the uh, I I have no really desire to watch a Section Thirty One series though. Um, I I just that whole Section Thirty One kind of timeline or or arc. I, yeah, I just I'm just not wasn't a fan of it so. If that never shows up, I will not be disappointed. Well, they, yeah, uh, of, of everything, it's the one that I am the least interested in. Now, having said that, I would tune in just for the fact that they've made every series interesting to me. And so I, I believe, I totally believe they could make it interesting where I actually would enjoy it. Um, I certainly like Michelle, isn't it Michelle Yeoh? Isn't that the actress's name? Yeah. 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 That, but I enjoy her acting and things and, and her fight scenes are great. So uh, I would watch it just to see her in action some more. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, we'd have to see, but, but again, like you said, of all the series, well, except for prodigy, it'd probably be my least interested one prodigy, you know, is really for, it, it's definitely for younger kids, supposedly, you know, your eight year old, to 10 year old kid or whatever. But I think I would watch it just for the fact that Janeway's in it and see what it's like. But uh, Bob, what are your thoughts on Section 31? Yeah, I mean, given the amount of stuff that's on, I'm not sure how much time I would spend on it. Yeah. Um, like Jim said, it was kind of an offshoot. And they kind of diverted from it. I mean, you're probably not going to see them on... on uh, Discovery because the timeline has shifted and you know Strange New World is probably not either. So I mean they would have to make another show and I might I might watch the episodes even though I'm super hot on it. Yeah. Well, I, they could I, have crossovers between Strange New Worlds and Section Thirty One because they will both be happening in the same timeline. Um, but that's the only two without them switching time somehow to have a. It, it'll be interesting too if someone comes up with the idea of, oh, let's have some sort of inter-time crisis thing and bring everybody together for a, a mini-series or something. A crossover. Avengers sort of thing where you bring everybody. I, I think for Star Trek, that probably pushing it, you'd have to have some really good writing. And also, I don't even know if you'd be able to get all these actors to agree in a big production. I don't know. It would... But it'll be interesting in a few years to see if they come up with something like that. I'd rather just watch Lower Decks than a Section 31 show. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I have no doubts. Well, and, and the thing is, as they introduce, if they introduce more Star Trek, you're going to get people that are being more selective about it and going, well, the only one I watch is this one or I watch these two. You're going to have very few people that go, oh, yeah, I watch all seven different series. But, you know, if you if you do air them, weekly where they don't double up or anything where where each one leads to the next one then you suppose you could watch them all year long and i'm sure somebody will but not necessarily us but we'll see how that goes 
Um, anyway, back to Picard that we haven't talked about in like uh, 20, minutes. 20 minutes here. But <laughs> um, let's let's just talk for a second about what we thought of the whole series overall. I will say that I thought it was... I enjoyed it more the second time through than I did the first time through. Um, the uh, I enjoyed the finale more this time than I did the first time. There's there's a lot of things I enjoyed more. I enjoyed all the characters because I, I felt like I could get a little more into them and things than I did the first time I watched it. So for me, it's a winner. Um, I guess I'd put it uh, still below the other seasons of discovery i've watched so far um maybe i'd put season one and two of discovery uh, season two of discovery i'd put at the top of my list and then season one of discovery then probably picard and then season three of discovery would be under that i would think if i was to just kind of go as to quality of the shows overall um jim what's what's your thought with uh, having watched all of these shows like i have yeah I, i'm kind of with you you know uh the the second time through watching it I, I enjoyed it more, um, you know, because I, I guess probably because I knew where it was going. So during some slow parts, I was willing to put up with them because I knew, you know, knew what the, the whole storyline was. Uh, yeah. So yeah, overall, it was, it was definitely worth the watch and be interesting to see uh, the the new season of it. Yeah, and I really like Seven, uh, whereas I did not like Seven of Nine in Voyager. I thought she if anything, messed up Voyager and made it less interesting. Um, whereas in this series, somehow they revamped her character where I really liked her a lot better as the kind of, uh, what, angry, bitter, frustrated, and yet with a heart of gold person that she portrayed her in here is always kind of coming to save the day and so forth. I, I definitely enjoyed her. Um, did they now? As I'm thinking about it, in episode ten, did she do much of anything? As far as did yeah, she? She, she directed out the Romulan lady. Uh, oh, that's right. That's right. She she, with the Romulan. Yeah, lady. she basically tossed her off the balcony. Yeah. Um, and then later on, she talks about how she's got to stop killing people that she doesn't like, <laughs> just because she doesn't want them alive. <laughs> That's right. That's right. There's a scene with her, her and Rios. So Rios is like, um, he's got to give up on like getting attached to captains that die, and she's like, "Well, I got to give up killing people." And and she says, "Well, you didn't, you know, it wasn't your fault that Picard died." So she goes, "Well, so I win." <laughs> <laughs> that's why I like her character. There we go. Um, well, Bob, what did you think of this this series overall? And I I really love the series. I, I admittedly was a bit disappointed in the ending, but I wouldn't go back and not watch it because of that. Right. Um, yeah, I really liked it actually. I I probably go Discovery season one, then this, then season two. Okay. How would you rate things, Jim? Because we never haven't heard of your rating. If you were to what what series or, or season is the best, or you rate them all about the same? Um, they're all about the same. Okay, I can it's see high. that. 
tied for first place, everybody. That's, that's nice. That's nice. There you go. Um, yeah, I uh, very much enjoyed this show. And so I can't wait for season two. Um, I think seven's going to be back. I hope so. I assume you'd have his whole crew back that he assembled. I mean, the last thing, the worst thing they could do, in my opinion, would be to have it be another story that's central on Picard and have him put together another team or something. Cause it's like, those are the worst episodes in my opinion of the, the, putting the team together ones. Once you have a team, I'm more interested in them learning more about them. So I keep who he has and hopefully they do. I think add to it, but you can't, uh, I'd say restarting it from scratch would be the best. Looking at the trailer, it looks like I know Seven's in it because there's a scene with her looking in the mirror and her her implant is gone. Okay. And like she, now she's like the timeline is all gone whack. Okay. I don't, I don't love if it's all about the timeline going wiggity whack. It's, I don't love all the timeline stories that we get. I mean, I guess it's, for me, it's bad. I mean, time travel stories have always been some of my favorite stories. I just feel like in Star Trek, they start to get overdone where we end up with too many time travel stories and they need to kind of chill out on that a little bit. I think that's also going to be the problem with running six series at the same time is that you're going to get... I don't know. Are we going to get a feeling of, oh, I just saw a similar story on this on Picard, and now they're doing it on, you know, whatever it is, Janeway's show or whatever. Um, I I don't know. That could be a problem if they're not coordinating really well. And how do you keep five shows all from duplicating each other? Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. You need a multiverse. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but we'll I guess back MCU. We will probably stop there, uh, unless anybody has anything else to share about this series or about this last episode. I hope everybody enjoys it. Um, oh, I do. I do have one more question. I guess for the guys, we got my impression: the fact that I think the data saying goodbye to data is one of the best parts of this whole series. But I didn't get your impression. Did you guys? enjoy how they or think it was um what uh satisfying how they said goodbye to data in this last episode i was oh go ahead jim i i I mean it was okay i mean i'd kind of forgotten that he he died in the movie so you know it's like there's all sorts of characters that just kind of disappear you don't see it but yeah, and that's kind of my feeling of this whole thing is they made a big deal about Nemesis. I mean, Nemesis was a huge crux of this whole thing. I mean, and part of it is so subtle. I don't even know if people pick up on it. I mean, uh, we've been airing, and I'm sure you, you guys have no idea, but as our intro music to this to this series, every time we play an episode, we've been playing Bing Crosby's a rendition of Blue Skies, which is beautiful, and they and they air it on the very first episode. They have Bing Crosby's version to start out. It's what starts out the whole Picard show. But 
uh, Data in Nemesis sings a version of Blue Skies at the wedding of, of Troy and Riker. And then he sings it again. You hear him singing it uh, during this episode, uh, just a little piece of it. And so there's things like that that tie back to Nemesis, but I don't know how many people like have this thought of Nemesis and are like, oh, I was so let down by how Data died and, and it's messed up my head for years. I mean, I think it's something the writers grabbed onto but I don't know if the fan base necessarily was all that hooked on the whole thing. I just, in watching this was thinking, Oh yeah, I remember that I didn't love the way they did away with data so easily. And it wasn't a big thing. It wasn't like when they said goodbye to Spock, what a big deal that was in Star Trek two. Um, it just felt different. Uh, so I was glad to see him say goodbye this way, Bob, what, what did, what did you think about data's last scenes? Um, yeah, I'm glad they did it, but I also, I don't know, it was with me. I was bumped out by a lot of stuff. One of them was, like Jim said, why didn't they put him into an android? And two, it's almost like they can't do the character anymore. Like I was looking at his costume and then they were like covering his neck to here. It was yeah. almost like, oh, they don't want to show that because he's got chicken neck. Like, so they tried to make his face look young. So I felt like they were just writing the character off for the sake of logistics i don't know i just i had well, some trouble with this episode which I I was, right i think they were and i think they realized that they can't i mean he had the actor had thought he would never do data again and he said unequivocally now no matter what they write he's never going to do data again because he said it was pushing it that they could pull it off this time. Like you said, they had to cover things up and they had to, cause he's aged like anybody else. And so except for Ringo star. So I believe <laughs> Ringo star is going to be the next data in future <laughs> episodes. And we don't have to worry about him aging. So it'll be great. Uh, anyway, the, <laughs> or they could use Keith Richards, but and, and <laughs> is how much more can he possibly age? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, but no, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think that they were just, I think he was surprised that they would write this for him. And I think uh, as an actor, I would be delighted that they wrote an ending to a character that I had in such a great way. And uh, yeah, so for me, it was the best part of the whole series was the, the data tie-in. Though in reality, it was, one, it was sort of, central to the series overall on the other hand it was not necessary you know you could you could eliminate the data parts of this and it would still work as a show and you wouldn't even think about data too much but the fact that it's all about androids and borg and people losing their humanity and machines mixed with people and how that works um it was uh, brilliant the way they tied it all together. And I thought an excellent idea overall. So there we go. That's my view. So uh, we'll leave it there, I guess. And uh, hope you guys enjoy this episode. And we will see you sometime for Picard season two. And it looks like we'll be, we'll be uh, enjoying or, or at least talking about the beginnings of Lower Decks here in uh, a number of weeks. So 
Thanks, everybody. Hey, nerds, I'm Will Wheaton, and this is The Ready Room, your official behind-the-scenes hub for all things Star Trek Universe. What a day to be alive. The season finale of Star Trek Picard et in Arcadia Ego Part 2 has just dropped, and we have so much to talk about. Now, this is usually the part where I give you my big spoiler warning speech, but today, I can't emphasize it enough. Go and watch the episode now if you have not watched it already. I am not telling you this because I care about you getting spoiled, but because it is so freaking awesome that you have to see it for yourself. Go ahead, I'll wait. I'm gonna give you a pause screen. And we're back. So, rounding out this season, I have not one, but two incredible guests joining me. That's right, Admiral Jean-Luc Picard himself, Patrick Stewart is here, and Earth's leading synthetic expert, Allison Pill, is also here. But first, we have to talk about that jaw-dropping ending, right? You know what's coming. Control room, engage. We knew from very early on the idea was to kill Picard and then revive him. Uh, it was never the intention simply to kill him. We wanted closure on a chapter of his life, and we wanted to, again, exploit this idea of character evolution in story. We wanted to put our money where our mouth was. So we were saying, hey, marginalized synths are people too. What better way to make that statement fulsome than to take the character who is most human and put him with all his humanity into a synthetic form. It's the same person, it's the same consciousness, it's the same body in many ways, just rebuilt. So if there is no difference, and if we're saying they're equal, then he has to walk the walk. Data, am I dead? Yes, Captain. Star Trek is a beautiful exploration of what makes us human, not just because we are human, but what makes us empathic and what makes us love and what makes us connect with other people, other species. And the thing about Picard's relationship with data that's so critical is that it asks the question, once an AI has achieved that level of sentience and can think exactly like us, actually can think beyond us, can feel exactly like us, what's the difference between us and them? Am I real? Of course you are. But really what we're saying is there is no difference between the synthetics and the humans. In the same way that I think any fan of Star Trek would say Data's life was as valuable as Picard's life or as valuable as any other life on that ship. It's wonderful to see you, Data. To see your strange, beautiful face. So when Picard finally, at the end, re-encounters Data as he now is, which is a somewhat twilight form. It's data, but it isn't data. I think it's an almost inexpressibly moving moment for Picard. To have the chance to see his old friend and shipmate face to face again, to have a chance to talk about profound questions of life and death and what life means. And, you know, they don't have that much time together. And during the time they do have together, uh, they kind of get right down to it with a sense of resolution, with an opportunity to say, the kinds of things you typically wish you had said, but rarely get the opportunity. I've always wished that I could have said I was sorry that it was you and not me. That is the most beautiful moment of the finale, is him exp 
explaining to Picard, Picard who's carried this guilt for 20 years and now through this whole season about he being responsible for quote unquote killing Data, realizing that Data hasn't really been dead. It's a beautiful moment. It's a really beautifully written scene about why he wants to die. And there's a lovely notion about mortality, which is that it is the end of things and the knowledge of the end of things that gives life meaning. A butterfly that lives forever. is really not a butterfly at all. I think that Data, who has struggled through all these years and all these iterations to be human, finally finds that it is mortality that is humanity's defining quality. And it is with that hope and that dream that he asks Picard to shut him down. Goodbye, Commander. Goodbye, Captain. The phrase, we are such stuff as dreams are made on, is a direct quote from which famous Shakespeare play? I am overjoyed to be sitting down with my final two guests of the season, Allison Pill and Patrick Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me here in the Ready Room. And congratulations on an epic first season of Star Trek Picard. Thank you. Thank you so very much for having us. We have had Michael Chabon here. We have talked with Akiva Goldsman. And they both tell charming stories about what a hard pitch it was to convince you to put Jean-Luc back on. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how you, looking back on it now, you have the entire season behind you now, and, uh, and looking forward to season two, how do you feel about the reception for the first season of the show and, and Picard's arc? Well, first, as you've mentioned, Michael and Akiva, I'm grateful that they refuse to be discouraged by my um, uh, repeated confirmation that I would do no more Star Trek. Yes. Um, because they, they didn't let up. Um, and not only am I grateful to them for that, but for all the wonderful work that they've done on this first season. It's really been extraordinary. And there was a lot of pressure. You would understand that. Absolutely. Um, especially as the, as the season wore on, it got more and more intense. Um, I have always been attracted to diversity, to change, to differences. And so the idea of being stuck with Jean Picard or Charles Xavier didn't really appeal to me that much. So when it was over, it was over, it was done for, for both those franchises. And franchise, franchises. I think franchises. You think? Franchise. Ah, okay. Probably franchise. It sounds very fancy. <laughs> See, every day being around these people, I learn something new. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's false, but it's new. <laughs> <laughs> and it keeps me young. Both of those statements are true. <laughs> um, it's been from day one a, a delight, and 
and rewarding, largely because when I talk to Akiva and, and, and Michael and, and Alex and Kirsten, I uh, always talked about wanting to find a man who was changed, whom the 18 years, which is about the time that uh, uh, passed since we wrapped Nemesis, mm -hmm. the movie, that things had happened to him that we never saw happen to him on Next Generation. And um, some of them were very bad things. Uh, and he made mistakes and has acknowledged that he, he, he was wrong at times. Um, and so it wasn't really returning to Jean-Luc because he was frustrated, unhappy, angry. How often did we see Jean-Luc Picard angry? I mean, maybe if some wrong had been done, he might get angry. But, yeah. Um, and so it's been fascinating to take that, uh, what, 12, 14-year foundation and now build something different on top of it. Um, Picard is different now, and Star Trek is different now. This is a, clearly a different Star Trek than the one you watched. It's very different from the Star Trek that we made, but it's still like great Star Trek reflects this current moment that we are living through. Mm -hmm. I would love for you to talk about that and, and how you viewed uh, the, the, the story you told this season, how you view it as a, as a mirror or a lens to look at what's happening in the world right now. I think there are huge questions of institutional authority in this mm -hmm. one where, um, we used to accept Picard just on the, the, the basis of him as like, oh yeah, he's right, no matter what. Mm -hmm. And this is both a, um, a response to that and, and a kind of extension of that. And he's fallible, you know, Picard is fallible. And, he, and though he's the hero of the show, he's also older, somewhat wiser, but also somewhat more broken by the system. And there's also huge questions of institutions generally, like Starfleet isn't what it, was or um, could have been. And I think across the world today, there are huge questions of institutions right now. I mean, in terms of government, in terms of, um, in terms of our doctors, like who we trust, what, what we trust in terms of the media, all of, these, all of these trust questions have been rising for things that we used to take um, sort of blindly. And I think um, that's an interesting place to start when you have this man who's played a leader that you could sort of blindly go with because he was always going to do the right thing. And to kind of look at, look at him as a human in a, in a different light, I think, is a really interesting place to be right now. What I would like to say is to draw attention to what Alison has just said yes. as an illustration of how um, some things have not changed at all because we have a brilliant articulate, talented ensemble of actors in, in Picard. You really that, do. That, <laughs> those words of Alison's were very much representative of how people are feeling and thinking about, uh, about doing the show and doing the show in 2020. Mm -hmm. um, this will sound pompous, but I, in a way, I think the world needs Star Trek right now. I 100% agree with you. Uh, um, it's a mess. 
Yes. And it's likely to get much worse. I mean, we are just now the wrong side of Brexit. It's happened mm -hmm. and it's going to be horrendous. Um, and everyone except the rich, and that means most of the government who have plenty of money, are going to suffer economically from what's happened there. Uh, and that's brought about only by selfishness and self-interest, which is not something that Star Trek is known for. Right. Uh, quite the opposite. And um, so I, I feel uh, proud that, that CBS has taken on this project at this time and that they are not editing our scripts. We, we are not re directly referencing the world today. Well, great science fiction never does. And, uh, no, exactly. It's, it's always there as a background. And um, I, I, I'm, I'm proud of what we're doing in that respect. I really loved that Star Trek Picard is not afraid to lean into the darkness and, and the complexity of the world that we're looking at right now. I can't imagine that you would have signed on if this was going to be a bunch of fan service. And, and uh, I understand you are an executive producer on the show this time around. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what your role uh, as an executive producer was at, uh, sort of bridging our show and the new show. Initially, uh, it had one huge advantage and introduced me to a world of television production that I'd never shared before, which was the writer's room. It's the best place to be. Well, I had never been there before. Um, I knew what happened in it, and yeah. I saw the end results. But as I sat for weeks, mostly silent, mm -hmm. just listening mm -hmm. to brilliant people uh, talking about my show and my character and the other characters and, and, and uh, coming up with ideas which 10 minutes later would be thrown out as absolutely useless and coming up with another idea. Yeah. It was, I, I just wish I could have filmed every day and mm -hmm. had a record of what went on in that writer's room. These guys are the real thing. Your character goes through a harrowing arc. Yes. Did you know at the beginning that she was going to go through this entire story? Did they tell you what her entire story was? To a degree, yeah. In my very first conversation with Kurtzman, after I'd, he'd, he'd allowed me to read two, and, and then we had a conversation before I signed on, and in that he told me, you know, she is, is going to kill Maddox, and she is going to think she's working on the side of the angels yeah. that whole time, um, and will be tortured by the decision. But there were also developments. I mean, the Jat Vash uh, became much clearer over the course of the entire season, like how we could introduce it and, and what they would be. Um, and I think they also, I mean, I also think they wanted to kill off a lot of us <laughs> that never got killed off. Okay. Like, I think they fell in love with a lot of people. Sure. I think, I think Jurati was always going to survive, but there yeah. are a few that I'm like, I don't think they were supposed to make it. Um, she, uh, she's so heroic. By the, by, by the I know, end, she by the finally, Tirati for the win! Yeah, right? <laughs> and it, it, was, it was important to me, especially by the end, because she's been on this ship sort of offering, um, it, it's so exciting when, the, when, when finally the hollows don't work and she's actually forced to do 
real doctoring with, you know, the old tricorder and, and w without the, the bleeps and bloops of the mime holograms. Yeah. Um, it was so exciting. I'm like, oh, they've been keeping her around for a reason. And then further, as the story goes, she really is, her, her brilliance finally finds a way to, um, to help in, in a real heroic way. And it was so exciting to get to have this kind of lonely nerd find her way um, to be part of the crew. It's like, it's nice that Gerardi gets to really show up and break this guy out and, you know. <laughs> um, I uh, so this, that moment is, is terrific. And, and that scene could have been a standard we're busting you out of prison scene, but it comes off very differently. It's a, it seems to me that it is, it is a deliberate choice. Picard is laying on the bed, his eyes are closed, he's not going anywhere, he's not even trying to fight it, and he doesn't even open his eyes when the door opens. Still here. Which I loved, I thought that just says so much about him. And there is a subtlety uh, to Star Trek Picard that I felt was missing on Next Generation. And I think it a little bit has to do with the, the time in which we are making yes. these shows. Yeah. Um, I wondered if 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 there if you had any uh, experiences uh, now that were just profoundly different from when we were working together, or if uh, if there were things that that you thought I remember this. Well, the, perhaps the most obvious one <clears throat> is that I'm on a ship, uh, but I'm a passenger, yeah. uh, and there is the captain almost within arm's reach, running the ship. Um, that's what is odd. There was a moment, I'm not even sure if, I think it made it into one of the episodes, when I go to sit down. Yes, it's and, great. And almost sit in the captain's chair before realizing it is very inappropriate to yeah. do that. And I go off to, into the wings, yes. so to speak. When Picard dies, he sees Data again. And it's not it's not before, it's not a hollow of data, it's data. I'm just in the audience. I was a wreck yeah. through that entire scene. Actually, I was too at times. Um, when I, you see, it's happened, starting to happen now. When <clears throat> I got up and went to leave that room and then turned back, um, we had to do several takes because I couldn't say the lines. I can only imagine. Uh, emotional. I will do what you ask. Thank you, sir. You know, uh, people would say, it's a TV show, <laughs> come on, you know, get real. It may be, but it has an extraordinary history. And my friendship with Brent Spiner is completely fused with Picard's relationship with Dexter. So that's why it happened. There is something about these characters that makes them so important to so many people. How do you feel about the resolution of the character arc through the season? You happy with where Picard is when this season is over? Do you yeah, feel yeah. do you feel satisfied? Oh yes, yes. Um, I, I feel very satisfied. I have no idea where we're going. Do, do you? No. 
Um, no. no we're, we're on that ship and we're heading out. Yeah. Um, and I've, little hints have been dropped. I know, very me. exciting hints. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> one, <clears throat> excuse me, one in particular is yes? extraordinarily exciting. And Would you redrop that hint? <clears throat> no, Will. I'm sorry. No. no. I wish no. I could. I feel like I've failed in my duties. <laughs> I apologize, audience. I tried. Um, it, because it may not come about. Understood. And there might be a lot of disappointment. But I get it. We're, t we're talking about the same thing. Yes, we are. Yes. yes. No, you told well, me about thinking, that. Yes. And then Akiva told me something else specifically about Girardi that is very exciting. To okay, me. you're killing me. <laughs> You're killing me. <laughs> but we don't know where it all fits together, and we don't. We we will. No, we'll, we'll know no. soon. I know. I know. Shabon's trying. They're trying. He's he's hoping to get the first two written shortly. Good. Um, and I just had lunch Good. with Ayelet yesterday, so I got some intel. <laughs> Good. This is all very exciting. Like, like legitimately exciting. This um, is not me being a good host. I'm legitimately <laughs> excited. And um, we'll be back to work shortly. And I can't. I mean, I just can't wait. We got to do a little bit of, um, we, had to, we had to sort of finagle a bit and Patrick and I got to go back just last month and it was, it was just still so exciting to be back on the ship yeah. already and I can't wait to be back for a, a longer time. Did La Serena, the bridge area, did it begin to, did it take on the same feeling as our bridge? Not at all. Yeah. No. Not for me. Yeah. Um, it is a, it, it's, that was the flagship of Starfleet. Yes, was the Enterprise. Yeah, um, this is really a, a transport. What one of the things I do love about being on the ship yes. is that we have huge flights of steps to climb up because they have built the ship. It's that's it. It's three dimensional. It's it's, it's a three dimensional ship. Oh, it's not just cool. a set here and a set there yeah. and another set over there. Yeah. Um, and and getting onto the bridge is, um, is a procedure and involves climbing up the outside of the ship, in a sense. So that's very, very different. No just walking across right. stage eight or nine to another set. Yeah. And it also means that in the common area down below or the med lab, like all of those things are practically where they are. I yeah. mean, you're, yeah. not, you're not shifting about. So you can walk from the med lab into the bridge, into the, you know, and it makes possible all of these kind of interesting group scenes and circulating ballets, kind of. I, uh, I love the costuming in the show. Oh, Christine I Clark is just incredible. I absolutely love it. Um, it, it, looks, it looks very comfortable. It is. Uh, which was very different from, from, our, <laughs> from, from yeah, our costumes. Yeah, he won't take off his shoes. He won't take off his moon boots. They're never leaving. I noticed it's a brief shot of Picard in uniform, in next-gen uniform. Is that emotional for you at all? To sort of like, Put, put the old uniform well, back on? I, I live with the uniform. Um, yeah. My last original uniform um, is in a wardrobe in my house in England, That's which so I don't cool. go into every day, but every now and again, there are some things in there that I have to look for. And there it is, hanging up with the, the four pips on yeah. it. And I have in my desk drawer the communicator, which was the last communicator that I wore. And you um, brought that to the first read-through. And did. we passed it around like a totem. Oh, so and it was all cool. like we were really, that's so we're really cool. here now. We're, yeah. We have our, yeah. I love that you we did that. We have the comms badge. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a great moment in the finale where Gerardi says, make it so. Please tell me you 
know what that means. Please tell me that he, the, that the weight of that was. He wasn't feeling it. He was like, I don't want her to do it. But then I then I convinced him. <laughs> I, yeah, I thought with my face acting. <laughs> Good old face acting. Yeah, and it it was a, a terrific moment actually. But yes. I, I resisted uh, that and line. And it's, it's important to have it's important to have the Patrick who is resistant to it was who is conscious of, as you say, like too much fan service and too much of that. But mm. it is also important. It's like, but you also have to realize that that it that it that that, that it sometimes feels right, and Gerardi saying it yes. was right. <laughs> uh, and I, I love the reference to the Picard maneuver. I know! It was really satisfying for me as a fan to hear, didn't you do a thing called the Picard maneuver? <laughs> and I loved, yeah, it was on the Stargazer. Get your facts straight. Like, I, it was just, that's the way people talk in a crisis. <laughs> I didn't know that was the background to yeah. the Picard maneuver. Because as you are well aware, and you remember, I'm sure Will, that Jonathan Frakes named an action we all had to do with our uniforms when we stood yeah. up. It was to pull them down because Gene Roddenberry wanted them to be as smooth as possible. Of course. And it was Jonathan Frakes who christened that the Picard maneuver. <laughs> so when um, I said it the first time, he's like, <laughs> 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 Yes. <clears throat> so I, I didn't realize that this, there was a stargazer story behind it. There, uh, a producer who will remain nameless, um, uh, told me that I was not allowed to do the Picard maneuver. I sat down at my at my console on on our bridge, and my <coughs> shirt right rides up. Right. So I pulled it down, and one of the producers came over and said, "You can't do that. That's the Picard maneuver. Only Picard is allowed to do that." <laughs> and I was like, like "Well, what okay." okay. <laughs> I give you permission. <laughs> thank, so you. thank you. I override your producer. Oh, thank you so much. You can do the Picard maneuver anytime um, you want. Uh, I, I, I am so far over time. I could talk to you forever. It means so much to me that you are here. Is there anything from behind the scenes on the set that you that you just think fans are going to love that? We want them to know this. Is there any? Is there anything that happened that was particularly memorable? I just, the joy, the joy of seeing Frakes direct Patrick, <laughs> this face says it all. Yeah. Um, he came in to direct our, our second block and it was just joyful every single day of seeing two old friends and one of those old friends calling the other Baldy. <laughs> and the other number one. Old Baldy. Old Baldy, and number one. Well, we call you Sir Old Baldy now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, uh, there was a day when we were shooting uh, the episode with Jonathan and Marina mm -hmm. when, and there was no, um, th there was no uh, arrangement in this at all, but we had two visitors to the set mm -hmm. who came alone. LeVar Burton was one and, and Michael Dorn was the other. And it was thrilling to see our people get excited that they were sharing an hour or two with LeVar and Michael. Um, I feel Star Trek for me is about family because, because y you and the rest of our cast are my family. Uh, my, my family in, in deeply meaningful, really important ways. You're one of the newest members of the Star Trek family. I know what is in front of you. And it's so cool. <laughs> it's just a great thing to be part of. Um, and uh, 
I, I want the world to know that I don't think any of this happens if you aren't exactly who you are. Yes. Picard and Stuart, they're very, they're like this now. Thank you. Um, we need this man around. Yeah, we do. <laughs> and you're absolutely right. The world needs Star Trek. And I'm really glad to hear you say that. Um, thank you so, thank much you so much for your time today. Thank, thank you, you for everything. We are such stuff as dreams are made on. It's a direct quote from which Shakespeare play? D, The Tempest. The line comes from Act 4, Scene 1, and is spoken by the protagonist, the magician Prospero. Well, this is the season finale of Star Trek Picard, so I don't have an exclusive clip for next week's episode. But since I have a little bit of time to fill, I thought I would show you some of my finer moments that did not make this season's cuts of the ready room. Patrick Stewart is here, and Earth's leading synthetic expert. <laughs> Episode 10 in Arcadia Ego Part 2, for those of you counting at home, not in et. I know Latin, and this never be sort. That would, of course, be Episode 10 in Arcadia Episode 10 at Arcadia Ego Here is a preview of In In Up You I've come this far. That's why. I've dragged you all along with me. We're going to suffer through this read together. Thank you so much for joining us in the Ready Room, not just today, but all season long, and letting us be part of your human family. We hope you've enjoyed this behind-the-scenes journey into the making of Star Trek Picard, and we hope that we will see you again for Season 2. Until then, I'm Will Wheaton. Live long.